everybody, Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, I sit down with the champ, the funk master, all Jermaine Sterling, the king at 135 pounds. We discuss TJ Dillashaw, the controversy about his continuing injuries, and the fact that he gets no respect at 135. Will he get it in the future? Aljo answers all those questions with me. I'm absolutely thrilled. Aljamain Funkmaster Sterling was one of those things where, uh, like, your rep was like, oh, I don't know if you have an interview. And you're like, dude, Jimmy Smith. I got I to gotta talk to Jimmy Smith. And you're like, oh, dude, great. Here's the opportunity. I'm going to take it. What, was it like that, Aljo? Was it no other interview would do? Uh, you know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It's okay. <laughs> uh, something, something like that. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that one. I like that. I like that. Anyway, it's just me bringing you in. Before we get into any of the controversy, any of the stuff TJ Dillashaw said, pre-fight, post-fight, any of that stuff, when you visualized this fight under the best of circumstances, that did you visualize something like this, meaning that first takedown, boom, right to the ground, right into your wheelhouse, right into your kind of transitions, before the shoulder even became a factor in this fight, it seemed like everything was going your way. Is that what you... Is that how you hoped it would look? Honestly, yeah. I mean, there was a point where we were talking with my team and I, and I go, um, I don't see why I can't just go out there and just pick him up and carry him around like a baby like Hamza did and talk to Dana, slam him down, and choke him out. That's exactly what I said. And the fight went almost as close to that as it possibly could have. Um, I mean, even in the striking exchanges, this guy was – talking so much junk about my striking and saying it was embarrassing um, for a champion to pretty much ever get the belt with embarrassing striking like that. And I was just like, this guy is either just really delusional, high on his horse, or he really does think that. And he's just um, super arrogant and uh, dismissive of my actual skill set. So um, I, I won everywhere the fight took place. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. He, he's going to sit there and make excuses, but I like sponsorship and free money. So if he wants to um, be my sponsor again and <laughs> take another ass whooping, I'll gladly do that. Uh, one thing I noticed before the, the this fight, right, the Wayne and everything, and me and my producer were talking about it. When I saw you on the scale, I was like, "Man, Aljo looks big. You look big. You look shredded. You looked at a, a lot. You look a lot bigger." As you talk about the physical disparity, you were gonna, you know, ragdoll TJ Dillashaw. You look like at the frame to do it, man. Was, has something changed? Has it been a matter of like putting more time into to the weight training, strength training? What was going on? Because you look big, man. You look really strong. I mean, I had a good strength and conditioning program from the UFC PI team. And then, of course, I implement some of my own stuff that I've been doing since college wrestling days. Um, good old fashioned uh, plate workouts. They still come in handy and they still do the job. But I just feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more dense um yeah i don't know so i don't i don't think we've been lifting like super heavy because i kind of told them uh, you know, I, I don't want to focus on like power or anything like that i just want to be have the muscle endurance that i need to have to sustain because i'm already super lean and muscular and when you have that happen your body needs a lot of oxygen so it's it's cool for show but if the muscles can't go longer than five minutes then it doesn't even matter so the main focus has been the strength and conditioning for the endurance factor but I don't know. I guess I'm just getting older and my body's starting to fill out. It is getting harder to make weight, especially as I eat chocolate bars. So <laughs> straight from Dubai. <laughs> Has one in his hand right now as we're talking. So uh, speaking, of course, to Aljamain, Funkmaster throwing the champ at 135. 
so t- take me through the fight. He tries to post the shoulder just it just completely he just collapsed on it. Were you aware it was of what, what was going on? When did you become aware that, that that something was happening? I thought the fight was going to end in round one. Is that what you were thinking as well? When did his shoulder and that whole transition become a factor? Well, I didn't know the shoulder was out until in between the rounds. My coaches, Al, they pointed out, they said they think there's something wrong with his shoulder. And I was like, really? Which one? And I think they were like, yeah, I think it's the left. But I had no idea. Once I took him down, I was like, this was easy money. Exactly like we drilled, um, getting the timing down for front kicks, getting the timing down for body kicks that he likes to throw, and even the leg kicks. I had guys like doing different scenarios, chopping down the legs, whipping front kicks at me, and just doing that a control environment and then trying to change it up to make it more tricky and difficult to time it. And then knowing that my timing was still on point, I had all the confidence in the world coming into this because I just knew he was going to do the same old tricks, maybe try something a little bit different, but it was the same TJ Dill show that I've seen on tape and everything he did, I was I saw it, was prepared for it. And once I took him down, if he was such a good D level, D1 level wrestler, he would have known to fight the hands and not to turn his back and uh, turn away from his opponent. And when he did that, uh, I had no idea. He posted and um, popped the shoulder out of the socket. So that's on him. I've had a torn labrum. I've had that happen to me in fights, and I won those fights. It just uh, wasn't in the UFC level. But he was really disrespectful and dismissive of my skills to think that he was just going to just – like what – like. What rational human being could have seen this fight and not think there was going to be any grappling that was going to happen and just think that you were just that much better that you could just win like that and all those grappling exchanges and not have to worry about your arm if it was that impactful. And like, if it was coming out that often, I would be concerned because when it starts to come out more often for myself, it became harder and more difficult for me to fight. So after the last fight, my seventh pro fight, I had to get the surgery because it just it was at the point of no return. So if he's saying all this stuff, he should have had a little bit more common sense to go, you know what, maybe this isn't the smartest and brightest thing to do. So who knows what's going through that little pea brain of his because, I, I mean, again, if he really thought he was just going to walk through it because I'm not dangerous, I mean, I I mean, <laughs> my resume speaks for itself. That's yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. disrespect yeah. any of the other fighters, my past opponents, but my, my resume speaks for itself. So – that's what I want to know. As soon as he started talking about, yeah, I was trying to talk shit to get him to strike because I knew I couldn't wrestle with him with my shoulder like this. The first thing I thought is, do you think Aljo's an idiot? Like, yeah. as if he could bait <laughs> you into, into – no, was first, I mean, I've talked to you a lot, man. I've interviewed you quite a few times. I've seen you, you know, at events and stuff. And I'm like, Aljo's not a dumb guy. The idea that he's going to get a professional, a champion, that, to get you so emotional that you're not going to fight smart, that's an insult. To me, is that how you took it? Oh, I was gonna bait him into strike him. It's like, dude, you think Aljo's dumb? He's gonna he's gonna go with his strengths, and you did. Was that an yeah. insult that he said that to you? I mean, it was an insult, but it was just like my striking is not even that bad. It's it's a little yeah. unorthodox. It might look weird, and I think the main thing that looks weird is because people are looking at the Yan fight, how my hands were down, I was kind of whipping my punches like these Betty Spaghetti arms, and it just looked sloppy because I was fatigued going into the fight, which I've told people multiple times. So I'm like, if you're using that as the rubric to why you think my striking is embarrassing, then I, that's fair to say. But if you didn't, if you actually studied tape, you'd be like, oh, this kid actually has something here in the striking department that we're kind of overlooking. We need to make sure we do all of our homework. 
he didn't do his homework and that that's on him. He failed the exam with flying colors. <laughs> and, uh, I actually wanted to come into this fight to strike more. I thought TJ would have been the one to actually keep me like, I, I knew I would shoot and I knew I could catch the kicks and take them down. But I did think when I took my first initial shot, which I didn't even have to do um, until like the later rounds, but uh, well, the later rounds, the later in the fight, uh, I thought he would have been able to get like an over underhook position and defensively pull me back up so that we're in like a 50 50, you know, or, you know, a clinch right. um, situation where we have to strike and I have to earn my takedown. But I mean, I don't know. I, that's what I was hoping for. And when I told him, I was like, we're going to, we're going to scrap because he was saying like, oh, my D3 wrestling. I was like, okay, I, there might be some confidence there. He might really have some solid defensive wrestling, which means I'm going to have to strike with him. And then we're going to see who is who. And unfortunately, he, threw an ugly front kick that wasn't really set up at all. And I saw it coming, took it, ran him down to the ground, and proceeded to backpack him up. So the, the, the everything post-fight, right? I, I got to get your opinion on this where, I mean, I kind of went off on a rant. I don't know if you saw it about TJ Dillashaw. Where I thought it was kind of a con job, meaning if you're hurt and injured, those are two different things. Hurt means it'll work. It'll, this arm will function. It just hurts. Every fighter fights hurt. Every fighter yes. fights hurt. My knee hurts, but it'll work, right? It'll function. It's just unpleasant, okay? When your arm pops out 20 times, according to him, in camp, okay? If you had a 10-week camp, that's twice a week. That's every two and a half days your arm is popping out of the socket. It's broken. It won't work. There's no way you're going to get through a five-round fight with this arm popping in and out your entire camp. What are your thoughts on fighters – you know, TJ Dillshaw or any other fighter fighting injured. This limb won't function. I feel like you're kind of ripping the fans off. I expected a great TJ Dillashaw versus a great Aljamain Sterling. It's part of the reason I paid the pay-per-view money. He was so compromised, there's no way he could have fought in that fight successfully. How do you feel about that idea of, hey, man, if it's that bad... You shouldn't have fought. You took time off. You delayed your fight with Piotr Jan because you had a neck injury that wasn't hurt. It was injured. It wouldn't function. You couldn't get through camp, and you took time. What do you think about fighters that don't do that? What are your thoughts on it, man? I think it's um, naive. Unless you're like that, I guess, broke that you need to do it. But, I mean, TJ made a lot of money cheating his entire career and then whooping a lot of people's ass. So he made a good amount of money. So... I mean, as far as the UFC countdown goes, he lives in Yordalinda, and that ain't a cheap place to live. So maybe he really needed the money. Um, I live in New York, and it's very expensive. Bought a house in, in Vegas. But I bought in Vegas money on taxes. So I'm financially probably smarter than he is. Because <laughs> the fact that he, he was... I, I could go on and on ripping this guy apart. But in terms of fighters... Yeah. yeah. Um, I think... I do think... There is something to be said about that. But at the same time, if you are able to spar fully and get through the sparring session, then there's a little bit of a gray area where it's kind of like, well, maybe I can not have a situation where it might compromise this injury and make it worse where the fight just completely falls apart once that injury gets like exposed, if that makes right. sense. Yes. With my neck surgery, that was something I was played with my entire UFC career and I would get through the training camps. I would sometimes have to get shots and things like that or take off like a week or two just to let my neck heal up and do PT exercises. So 
I, I get it on both sides, but if you can get through the sparring session, you technically can get through a fight. So maybe he got through the sparring sessions and he thought it could have held up and maybe he was whooping ass against those guys he's training with. But um, clearly those guys are not the same level as the guys I'm training with. So uh, he got a different taste of what it's like to fight a high-level grappler and a high-level striker as well. Um, or should I should just say a high-level mixed martial artist, man, someone who's going to use their brain in there and not go guns blazing and just fight like um, super emotional. Uh, I talk a lot of shit. I like to build a fight. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I can always respect a competitor for getting in there, and it's never bad blood. It's never like I'm talking about your family or anything like that. I can just talk about the competitor because you signed the dotted line. Now there's no lines. There's no lines. Like the, we we can everything's up for grabs and fair game in my opinion, except for family. Like I, I don't cross that that threshold because right. then that's that's a that's a, a a land you don't come back from. I guess a void you don't come back from. Um, but yeah, I think the fighters got to kind of weigh that option themselves and. Be honest to know if, like, listen, man, is this pointless for me to get in there? But at the same time, if this is your job and you need the money because we have a life we got to live and we have bills and responsibilities just like everybody else in the in the world, it, it's a it's a catch-22. It's a little bit of a tough situation, especially when you're not getting paid that much money in the early beginnings of your UFC career. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. So do we, and I'm speaking, of course, to Aljamain Sterling, are you a sports fan, other sports other outside of fighting? You watch football, you watch baseball, you watch anything else? I'm just curious. Basketball, sure. playoffs, and football occasionally when I have like some downtime on a Sunday. All right, gotcha. We romanticize injuries in fighting in a way other sports don't. Meaning if, yes. you know, yeah, if, if Kenny Pickett gets out there, I'm a Steelers fan, and he throws the ball and his arm pops out of the socket and he throws a, a, an interception and the coach goes, well, I was popping out all week. What's he doing on the field? I'm not going to go, God, what a warrior. Oh, that guy is all God. I'm going to get this fucking ass off the field so we can score a touchdown. Baseball, basketball, LeBron James, his knee doesn't work. Get him off the court. I don't, I, we don't romanticize it in a way we do in fighting. We're fans like, he's a warrior. I said, he's a warrior who ran out there with no weapons. TJ, as far as I was concerned, he ran out there with a gun that had no bullets in it. That's not a warrior. Do you get what I'm saying? You know, do we do this yeah. in a way other sports don't? I'm very curious what you have to say about it. Yeah, but I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. But then the other side of the coin is if we don't fight, we don't get paid. Those guys, they can get injured. They can sit on the sideline. They got a nice cushion to, to chill back on. Eventually, they got to come back and compete. For us, you get an opportunity to fight maybe once a year with the UFC because the roster is so big. Um, and there's only so many events. So get, get to a point where that consciousness. I agree. We all justify, uh, glorify these guys and go, if TJ had one like that, what, what, what a warrior. That's what everyone would have said. He beat a guy with one shoulder and everyone would have made a big deal out of it. And uh, I would have been the one with looking like a clown and getting ripped apart. He loses with the shoulder. Now it's a crutch that people are trying to use to say I'm the most luckiest champ ever because I had one bad fight in my entire UFC run to the title 
and that was against Piotrion one. And you can make the argument that if I fought like that at 50% capacity, if anything, that should be impressive because this guy was supposed to run through me and it was a competitive fight as I was still like compromised with no steam, you know? So I don't know, like I was getting my ass whooped. Yeah, but I can admit that. And I can also say like, well, for a guy who felt the way he did, at least based on what I'm telling the viewers, I still competed as best as I could to my ability and it was competitive. Now you remove that and I, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's a, it's, it's a shitty situation because then I get discredited um, and then people try to use that as a crutch to try to damper what I did in there. And like, look at what he did Look versus what I did with the, and those 30 seconds. But like that fight was not going to go any differently. He threw the kick. If he has two good shoulders, and he posts his arm and he lands, maybe he's more aggressive in trying to get up. And maybe when he does that, he gives me his back because that's the that's my best time. You watch my fights. When I take people's back is usually when they try to stand up. And right, you turn yeah. to your knees, which is what TJ would do as a natural wrestler. That's your natural inclination to turn to your knees and get up. You're giving up your back and you're giving up the same exact position that you got dominated in with one arm. So... Maybe he makes an earlier mistake and I end up just choking him out and it's short and sweet. Maybe he has two arms and he tries to fight and he turns earlier than what he did because he had a two-on-one that stopped me from punching him in the face and it managed to stall the position because everyone's like, well, it took you that long to finish a guy with one arm. I didn't know he had one arm. How would I know? I'm not going to force yeah. the issue and then lose the position. And he was smart. He went two-on-one. He froze the position. And had he had two good working arms, maybe he rushes to get out because he doesn't want to eat clock and he gets submitted. So it's just like, what are we talking about? Like, like talk about what actually transpired and is the control is the timing on the takedown, the catching of the kick, the outstriking, the body kicks that I landed, the, the, the punches to the face I landed before the takedown. It was an overall, like the guy had nothing for me. It, he really didn't. So uh, one of the biggest questions I have, and I want to ask you about it is, you know, I've, you know, I, I, I picked you to win this fight. I picked you in the second Jan fight. No one else did. But my thing is, dude, what does it take for Aldo to get respect? I, I'm sitting here as a, you know, MMA media fan, whatever I am, fan, media member, whatever the hell you want to call me. I'm always like, dude, Aljo's got to be the most disrespected champ in what I believe is the second toughest division in the UFC right now. I think it goes 55-35. I really believe that. Is that something you even worry about or think about? Or is it just like, dude, I'm just going to keep making money. You want to disrespect me? Go ahead. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I got to correct you. We are the toughest division. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it's like that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Because cause all the top guys, we actually fight each other. We're not like 155. And these guys avoid each other, which is the weirdest thing that they've been able to do that for so long. Um, but we actually compete with each other. Yeah. Um, so you get to find out and you get a good mix up of the, the top 15. Like, okay. Like often, very often. And in terms of respect, Get my wrong. Justin, um, Pedro Munoz, Corey Sanhagen, Piotrion, Piotrion, and now TJ Dosha. I didn't drop a round in any of those fights until I fought Piotrion the first time. You know what I mean? So when people talk about dominance and they talk about skill set, it's like you got to look at the body of work. You can't just have this recency bias because one fight burned a bad image in your head of me, and now it's hard for you to forget what happened in the first fight. For me, that fight doesn't even count. I swear, like, it's, it might sound like, oh, well, it definitely happened. Like, yeah, it definitely happened. I know that. 
But what I'm saying, like, I don't even count that because I botched the weight cut and whatever. It was on me, my fault completely. I take full responsibility for it. I did as best as I could based on the, what I had to offer that day. And people can even make the argument like, yeah, you did an entire training camp. You you sold the fight saying it was going to be competitive. Then you showed up like that. I'm like, yeah, I showed up a shell of myself. And I felt like an asshole for that, you know? And um, now I'm still paying for that in terms of how people perceive me. Because before, I was the uncrowned champ. And everyone praise and nah, da, da, whatever. And then it's like I get into the limelight now, fight for a world title. I have a shit performance. And then that's like the image that no one can seem to just forget. And then I redeem myself. I shut down this guy who apparently could obliterate me anytime we fight. And he did literally squat. And that's like, oh, well, you got gifted a decision. I'm like, so which one is it? Do I suck? Did I get gifted a decision? <laughs> Am I am I not good? Can it's is it Jan by any means? Is it TJ by murder? Like it, it's all these things, but it's never well, maybe he is actually pretty damn good. How about we look at that? Look at the guys he's training with. He's training with killers like Marab. He's training with killers like Dennis. I'm training with guys at the PI. I'm, I'm the 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 Bashra brothers. I'm training with those guys. I'm training with Patricky Miss over in um Bellator. Yeah. Um occasionally I work with Stamen and these guys, the Sun Sal, um, JP Bays, like these guys that train with me. I'm pretty sure if you ask them what I do, Adrian Giannis, ask these guys what happens in training. And I'm not saying that to like in a bragging way. Like Adrian Giannis came out and he says, now I see that the first round, like I get what you're saying based on us training together. I know now know that that first fight, that was that was like some freak thing that's probably never going to happen again. And I say, yes, thank you for saying that because I appreciate someone of his caliber coming out here, training with me and be like, I don't know who who that was at Fort Piotr on that day, but that second fight, the second fight is not going to be the same. And it, and it wasn't, you know? So um, don't take it from me because obviously I'm the person, but just ask the training partners, man. Like if I get you down and I put you in those positions, it's a bad session for anybody. So if they can keep discrediting me, I'm just going to keep winning. And as long as I stay focused, keep putting in the, the, the hard work, I know I'm not invincible. I learned that with Marlon Marais. I came in there super cocky and I got humbled. And now I know, like, anyone can be beaten as long as you stay focused, you put the time in, good things will happen. And that's, that's pretty much the, how I've been working my career ever since that. Uh, real quick, we only have about a minute left, but obviously Sugar Sean O'Malley defeating Piotr Jan, a guy you know well. What do you think of his performance? Do you think he's next? I'm actually watching UFC 280 right now. Um, finally getting some time to catch up. And today's my fiance's <laughs> birthday. Um, but I watched it in the back room to like help pump me up for my fight because it's just kind of like one of those. It's like a. It was almost like a tournament. When you're in a tournament and you're warming up on the other side of the bracket and you're in the semifinals, you want to know who's that next person that you're going to face or the quarterfinals, whichever it is. You see the match and you're getting ready. You're on deck, and that's pretty much what that was. So as I'm warming up, you know, I look over occasionally. And I'm like, okay, I know what I got to do. Um, and then I know I got to go out there and do my job against my opponent in order to make that matchup even happen or a conversation, to, so to speak. So I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was not a robbery. A robbery means someone clearly won and by a landslide and it was given to the other person. There was all close rounds. Round two was definitive. Round three was close, but I gave it to, to O'Malley. And then round one... I've, I felt that was the, the toss-up that 
I got to watch and kind of go back and see who won. Dude, champ, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time. MMA on SiriusXM is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.